the sleeper in the bus. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open file, a case shut. A short stop or stop short. Press play or press abort. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what truth is. Mike and Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? Who's missing? The sleeper in the bus. The sleeper in the bus. Hello out there in Fantasyland. Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer and I'm joined today by Rotograph's editor, Eno Saris. And today we'll be discussing a disastrous outing by a Tommy John returnee, a slumping slugger, and a new closer in Houston. And we are going to once again play the who is the most searched for player on Fangraphs game. And Eno, don't think too hard. This is pretty obvious. Who's number one out there? Uh, Miguel Cabrera. No, come on. Who is the new Miguel Cabrera? Yasiel Puig. Yes, number one. Because <laughs> nobody has any clue what Yasiel Puig has been doing this year, so everybody has to check on his player page. You okay. know what? I, I'd like to think that us saying Yasiel Puig is the most searched for player is getting people to search for him. I, I, I like to think that we have that kind of an influence on our readers. Yeah. Also, we have an influence on his walk rate because everybody's talking about how bad his walk rate is, and, and now he's walking some. See? We have uh, a lot of power here on the podcast that we had no idea that we possessed, and it makes me feel really good. All right. So let's talk about who the actual player that we will be discussing. And, you know, from the morning until now – he has dropped from third to fourth place, so I, I kind of feel like we're cheating a bit, but I don't care anyway. So we're going to talk about David Price, because I don't think we've really discussed him since returning from the DL. Um, he's been pretty freaking unbelievable since coming back from that injury. In 48 and a third innings over six starts, he's only allowed nine runs for a 168 ERA. Three complete games, and ready for this strikeout-to-walk ratio? 35 strikeouts, only one walk. So Price obviously was a bit of a disappointment before going on the DL. Can we say now that the David Price of old is back? Um, I, I actually think so, yeah, because the velocity is, is looking good. And, uh, you know, he's been almost like a different pitcher since he's come back in terms of uh, release point and, and control and command and, and velocity. So... Uh, I'm all systems go on him. Obviously, you know, in a keeper situation, you do have to register the fact that he's been on the DL now, um, and and that it was a that it was an actual issue because that sort of thing means that he's more likely to hit the DL next year, and and so on and so forth. So his keeper status has taken a bit of a hit, but I do like him for the rest of the way. I don't know. I'm not as optimistic here. I don't think he's all the way back. I mean, his velocity. Is slightly better than it was earlier this year, but it's still down from last year. His swinging strikes are down. His strikeout rate, even though obviously a 35 to 1 K to walk ratio is fantastic, 35 strikeouts in 48 and a third innings is only a six and a half strikeout rate, and that's not what you would expect from a David Price. So his strikeout rate is down. He's throwing a ton of strikes. That's the difference. And so he's he's basically pitching to contact. I mean, and that's not what you would expect from David Price. And so. I don't think the David Price now is really what owners expected. I mean, obviously, you can't really complain with a 160 ERA, 
but I'm sure that there's some luck involved there. Obviously, he's not going to sustain that one walk every 48 innings pace. So that walk rate is going to return uh, and jump back up to, to career levels, I'm sure. And so then we're left with a strikeout rate decline and velocity that's not all the way back, uh, not really inducing swinging strikes like he has in the past. Not that he was ever great in the swinging strike realm, but he's been worse this year than in the past. So I'm a, a little bit concerned here. I, I'm not sure that he's back to his elite status. Are you concerned at all with that decline in strikeout rate? You know, what's weird is that, uh, you know, I always think of David Price as having a, a better strikeout rate than than I thought. You know, like every time I look at his page, I'm like, whoa, you know, he doesn't strike out a batter per inning. I kind of always just assumed he was that guy. And yeah, then you look well, over well, I mean, ground ball rate and his ground ball rate is probably a little bit better than you thought. I mean, he's, he's, he's almost a ground ball kind of guy. So... I don't know. I, I think he's proven that it, that it works. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is because his stuff outwardly looks better than the strikeouts that he is getting. I mean, when you throw 95 as a lefty and you couple that with good breaking stuff and uh, a changeup, you would expect him to be a top strikeout pitcher and at least induce swinging strikes better than the league average. And he doesn't. And it is a surprise because you watch him pitch and he looks better than – that strikeout rate that he's actually getting. So you just wonder if the strikeouts are ever going to come in the future or if this is what he is and he's just going to live by the cold strike, which is what has helped him with the uh, strikeout rate up to this point. Yeah, you know, it's, what's also interesting is that 94 is a dividing line. Uh, there's a, there was a great piece on the community blog about location versus velocity, and, and it basically suggested that that around 88 miles per hour on the low end and around 94 miles an hour on the high end, um, that in between 88 and 94, there, there are very few differences on the fastball itself uh, in terms of home runs allowed and swinging strikes. But then when you got over 94, uh, swinging strikes and home runs go down. And when you got under uh, 88, uh, home runs go up and swinging strikes go down. So, um, you know... 94 is a very kind of important number, and right now he's averaging 95. The last three starts, he's averaging 95. Um, and when he first came back from the DL, he was uh, more like 92, 93. And earlier this year, he was he was up and down. Actually, it's pretty erratic. Uh, but he was below 95 and below 94 for the most of the part. Uh, and all the year last year, he was pretty much above 95. So we're watching. This is actually important it does seem like oh maybe it's just a mile an hour or some people think it's a really big deal the you know the dividing line is right around 94 and he's right there right now the nice thing of course for keeper value is that the biggest rumor is that he's going to end up in the nl next year and he's going to be in somewhere like chicago and that probably undoes anything that a loss of a mile per hour will do for him yeah um with that velocity obviously uh, a slight dip is probably not going to hurt as much, especially if you stay above that 94 that you were talking about. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there and if it affects his strikeout rate at all or if it rebounds. But I want to move along to a pitcher that um, I don't know if it's too early to pat myself on the back on because I, I did mention last week that Brandon Beachy would be worthless for the rest of the season, and he finally made his debut yesterday. He pitched three and two-thirds innings and got clobbered seven runs on eight hits. 
is it too early to pat myself on the back or is was my crystal ball just working perfectly last week when I made that comment? I don't know. I just uh, I just I knew you'd ask about him, so I just uh, watched the start and uh, I thought he looked great. Um, he uh, he was ninety two, ninety three, um, and uh, later in the game he was ninety one, ninety two. So the velocity is actually I think could be better uh, than last year and more like the year before. Uh, the two seamer had a, a good amount of movement. Uh, I thought the command in general was good. Uh, and that he just basically hung a few pitches. Uh, there were a couple duck snorts, so there was definitely some BABIP situation going on. Uh, he didn't walk anybody. So uh, I think the control, it, it looks pretty good. The, uh, the stuff looks good. And, uh, yeah, there was a little bit of command issue because he, he hung a couple breaking balls, and those turned into home runs. Uh, it's a pretty good team in, in Colorado. Uh, I still disagree with you. I think he's going to be useful. It's it's funny because the outward results suggest that so far, obviously it's only one game, so I can't claim that I'm right yet, but so far I'm right, and yet digging into the peripherals, he didn't get killed for the reason that I expected. I mean, I basically said Tommy John returnees, they have trouble with their control, their command, they're going to walk a lot of batters, and that was, that was what was happening during his rehab at AAA, and yet... He only walked one batter. His first strike percentage was a ridiculous 70%. His zone rate was at like 48, 49%. <clears throat> so all of those control problems weren't even there. He induced a ton of swinging strikes. His, obviously, his strikeout percentage was really good. So I, I reserved the right to do a complete 180. I mean, <clears throat> velocity was good as well. So, yeah, aside from the actual results, which, of course, is, is pretty damn important, uh, I, he did everything that you could possibly expect and, and hope for if you're a beachy owner. Yeah, I mean, the, the, just the, the low walk total made me made me happy. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I do know he did definitely hang some breaking balls. He threw some just some high slider changeup things that just didn't work out for him. You know, ended up in the ended up in the seats. So. <clears throat> Yeah, it doesn't mean he's he's totally back. I, I'm what I'm really happy is that I've got him on my DL slot in a lot of leagues, and I'm just gonna wait five days and hope that you know. Obviously, this is a bad time to have someone stuck on your DL and and have your teams frozen. Um, but uh, a lot of my teams are a lot of the teams where I have Beachy are are first place teams where Beachy is like, you know. Uh, a bobble or, or a thing that you know could be useful. So what I'm doing is just keeping on my bench, keeping in the DL slot, and just uh, and I'm gonna wait another start. I'm still not gonna start him yet, but I, I think that your your caution is correct. But since we discovered, you know, since we talked about last week, Wood doesn't have the innings. I think the Braves really want Beachy to succeed, and there is some track record of success. There's also some iffy peripherals, but uh, if you look at the peripherals, like you said, from this game, you know, seven strikeouts. One walk, I think. Uh, I'll take it. You know, I, I know the homers are an issue, but I, I'll take that for a first start. I'm going to leave him on my bench for another start and see what happens. So what exactly are you looking for in his next start that would convince you to activate him from your DL? Crisper breaking balls. I want, I want, I want that. I don't want that. I don't see a slider high in the zone. Even if people don't hit it for homers, uh, I, don't want to see, I don't want to see him floating up some breaking balls because he, he definitely hung some breaking balls. And th that team turned it into homers. If another team doesn't turn it into homers, 
but it doesn't, you know, there's still some of those high flat breaking balls, then um, I'll be a little bit more worried. And see, that type of stuff is something that doesn't really show itself in the stats, especially in the ERA estimators. They don't know that a pitcher, say, does not have great command within the strike zone, is hanging breaking balls. You can't find that by just looking at the stats. And so you wonder if, if that's a problem that there are a certain group of pitchers have that cause them to always underperform their ERA estimators. And it's maybe an example of control that's not all the way back with Beachy specifically that even though he's not walking batters, his command isn't all the way there yet based on the return from the surgery. And so that's what's going to lead to, let's say, uh, an inflated home run per fly ball or an inflated BABIP. You think that maybe that that's uh, something that could be there that isn't going to show up in his Sierra or his walk rate, for example? Yeah, I do think that the one if you if you don't have the time to to sort of watch his next stat or something, you're just you're trying to look for a stat. Um, I would look at his ground ball uh, per fly balls because um, you know last year in limited time it was about one to one. Of course, in his great season, it was it was that uh, you know it was way more fly ball heavy. But you know, I do think that in general, balls high in the zone turn into fly balls, and um, I think that he wants to keep it down in general. So I think that that could be a way to kind of a proxy for command in a way is to say, well, this guy wants to keep it down, but he gave up, you know, eight fly balls to to two ground balls. That that would be a bad sign, I think. All right, let's move along to Chris Davis, who I feel like we haven't spoken about in a little while, betting only 202 in July. His strikeout rate has gone out of control, 41.5% strikeout percentage in this month versus just a 6.4% walk rate. And this is coming after a June that he saw a 35% strikeout percentage. And we were talking earlier in the season how excited we were about Chris Davis because he really improved his strikeout percentage. Sure enough, his strikeout percentage right now is 29.8%, which is almost identical to his last two years of about 30%. So... He's no longer making better contact. And his last home run came the Sunday before the All-Star break. So my first question is, do you own Chris Davis in any leagues? No. Okay. So the next question is, if you did own Chris Davis, what would you be doing as an owner right now? Would you be panicking and looking to sell him at this point? Would you be waiting for his next hot streak to sell him? Or are you just holding on and expecting that, hey, it's Chris Davis, he still has a great home run for fly ball in July, and it's just a mini slump, he'll break out of it and be back to you know, a power-hitting first baseman that we've expected? Well, I don't know. The, um, the thing that's a little bit worrisome is that June, you have to include June in that too. Uh, because March, March, April, and May, he had double-digit walk rates and strikeout rate around 23%. And his ISO was almost 400, and he was crazy. Uh, June and July, you know, June he still had the the 400 ISO, and that was awesome. But if you, you know, flip over to the to the walk and strikeout rates, in June he already his walk rate already dropped to five percent, and his strikeout rate was already 35 percent. So it, whatever's whatever's going on right now has been actually going on since June, and um, you know he he wasn't a guy that had 
great walk rates even when he had bad strikeout rates. And I remember writing about him a couple years ago and saying, you know, he has to he has to improve the walk rate or else, you know, if it's if it's not power, patience and strikeouts and it's just power and strikeouts, that just makes you more of a marginal guy because there people will find ways to 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 exploit that. So I think that the, there must be something of a book going on. I've seen some specials on, you know, Baseball Tonight, at, you know, MLB Network. I, I can't remember exactly what it was now about maybe, uh, you know, fastballs inside or something. Uh, there must be some book out there right now that is leading to more strikeouts, fewer walks. Uh, he still has a 270 ISO. So even in this state right now, he's still valuable. And I wonder if the, you know, I think it all just depends on the returns that people are offering you. If, if, if you're, if you all of a sudden feel like you're selling low on Chris Davis because of the offers you're getting, then don't do it. But if you, if you think that you're getting uh, uh, normal returns on a guy that, you know, will probably, will lead the league in, in home runs, then, then uh, I might do it because the plate discipline stuff uh, leaves me a little bit cold. Yeah. And in July, his BABIP is just 275, which doesn't sound that low, but if you look at his batter ball types in July, 26% line drive rate, zero pop-ups. So it seems like his previous months where it was quite inflated in the Babel, uh, the BABIP was kind of legit. I mean, he hasn't been popping the ball up at all. He's hitting a lot of line drives. He obviously has a lot of power. And, and so he seems like a legit high BABIP guy. And even with all the strikeouts and no walks, he's still hitting for a ton of power, like you said. He still has a 274 ISO in July with a 35% home run per fly ball ratio. And, I mean, I'm not really sure what the perception of Davis is around leagues are and, and what fantasy owners think. Because at some point during his peak, I feel like you could have gotten basically your pick of the litter of anybody that you wanted. Um, his perceived value has probably dropped since then. But from here on out, I still feel like he's a pretty good bet to lead the league in home runs over the rest of the season. Obviously, he's probably not going to hit 300 the rest of the way. But with that high BABIP, he's not going to hurt your batting average. And, and there is a chance that he, he still contributes there. So I don't know. I do think that, I do think that there, there's a non-zero chance that this is – a career year and that he doesn't really ever come close to this again. Um, and he settles back down into like a 250, 35 homer guy uh, with serious flaws in his play discipline. So um, I'd be a little bit closer to trading him in keeper leagues. Oh, absolutely. I got a question in, in one of my articles the last couple of weeks talking about a projection for him or looking forward to 2014. And a, a quick back of the envelope, this was basically looking at a, a bunch of variables. I predicted that next year's home run projection would be in the low 40s, say let's say 42 or so. And, and that was based on fly ball rate. That was based on a, an improved strikeout rate, but that's not happening anymore. So the home run projection is probably going to fall down to the high 30s. But again, we still have two months left that anything could happen. So you're right, Keeper League, he probably is a sell high based on his pace right now. But just given his his slump, I think that it, it would be prudent right now to hold on to him. And then you can revisit the situation when he gets back on his next hot streak, which you know is probably going to be coming at some point soon. <laughs> well, let's hope for my sake because I own him. All right, let's move along to 
the, the one bullpen right now that's in flux, uh, I'm sure since tomorrow is a trading deadline, we're going to be talking about a lot more bullpens on Thursday. But right now, it's really just the Astros, as Jose Veras has been traded, and now the team is left without a closer. And that bullpen is pretty terrible. I was just looking at ex-FIPs. I think there's only three guys in that bullpen with an ex-FIP below four. Jose Cisnero, Wesley Wright, and Jose Veras, who's gone. Wesley Wright, of course, is a lefty, and so he's probably not going to be the full-time closer. Which and leaves, definitely a loogie. Definitely yeah, a loogie. Yeah, and, and that leaves Jose Cisnero, who seems to be the favorite. But, I mean, he's not great to begin with, but he seems to be the best of the lot, right? Yeah, I, I and there, you know, he, there's already a beat writer saying that he's the closer. So, you know, I I had picked Hector Ambries. Uh, I I picked him early in the season, but I also thought that once he put a little space between him and Tommy John surgery, the strikeouts would come back, and they didn't. Uh, so right now, Hector Ambries doesn't get strikeouts, walks too many players, and doesn't get ground balls, which is uh, bad, pretty pretty terrible combination. So, um, I think that's. Is was Cisneros the, the only guy that's uh, he also well, it's nice let's let's be nice to him he has four pitches they look legit he has a, a nice swing strike rate that looks legit he could have more strikeouts than he has right now so there's some upside there and then obviously uh, the downside is that you know he 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 walks too many people. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like his minor league track record was really that great either. I mean, also the good news since we're talking positives here, is that he's not that bad against lefties. And <laughs> I, his ex-fip is 417, which isn't bad enough where the team is going to have to think about basically a platoon closing situation where they have a bunch of lefties coming up, they have to bring in Wesley Wright. So it's, it's acceptable enough where he probably could get by as a full-time closer. As opposed to a guy that has like a 450 to 5 xFIP, where you know this guy isn't making it. Somebody like a Mitchell Boggs early in the season, which is what led me to say that he's not going to close full time because of his problems versus lefties. He had major problems versus lefties, and uh, Cisnero doesn't have major problems. He's not great, but he does strike out. He has struck out more lefties than righties. He just has uh, worse control against them. So he's not absolutely atrocious against lefties, meaning that. It's possible that he could, you know, be the full-time closer and and be respectable and, and and not lose his job really quickly. Yeah, you know. Also, what's interesting, I'm not sure how to spin this. Um, he just hasn't been relieving that long. Uh, in fact, this is the first year where he didn't start all his games. So. I, I'm not sure what that means. It probably means that there's a little bit, there might even be a little bit more strikeout rate upside because he used to strike out uh, more than a batter per inning as a starter, you know, in the minors. So uh, as a reliever, you'd think, you know, that he'd have a little bit more velocity and, and have more strikeouts. It's just, just how it works. Um, but the, it is unclear, even in the research, what uh, the move from starting to relieving does for your walk rate. It, it, it it almost never matters, but sometimes it does. So if it does lead to a lower walk rate, he could actually be a very exciting um, reliever. So, and it also might mean that one of these four pitches he he drops, you know, after a while, and and that would actually might make him better because let's say 
it's the changeup he can't locate or something, or, or you know, the curveball he can't locate. So therefore, he gets rid of it, and he, you know, his uh, walk rate goes down. So uh, there's definitely some upside there, and you know, he probably should be owned by everyone at this point. I mean, look how look what Varis did. Even even on a on a bad team, he he was going to be a, a positive contributor in in most leagues. So yeah, I I mean, he's a guy. That if you're desperate for saves, definitely pick him up. I personally, I picked him up last night. I only bid two bucks of my, you know, of our hundred dollar from the beginning of the year fab budget, and I actually got him. I I didn't expect to, but I figured I would throw in a token bid in case nobody else was paying attention, and it seemed like nobody else was paying attention, and so doesn't seem like I guess maybe because he hasn't officially been named, but it's definitely worth getting ahead of that and picking him up. Don't expect miracles or a great closer. He's probably only going to be contributing value in saves. But saves are saves, and they make great trade chips as well because somebody's always looking for saves and, and willing to pay for it. You know, uh, you know, we have a we have a couple of the things on the list, but uh, I wonder if we shouldn't just um, sort of go off script here and start talking a little bit about the trade deadline. I mean, I'm down with that. I'm always down for spontaneity. Here, here, here it is. Spontaneity alert. Um, uh, I just, I, I'm noticing the things that are coming through, through the wire, so I'm just gonna uh, talk. I'm just gonna throw a couple ones out there, and, and you, you tell, you tell me what we, what we talk about. You're the Let's host. Let's do it. Uh, so, Bud Norris looks like he's going to Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, interesting news. And that is really interesting news because the Pirates have had a really good defense. I believe they lead all of baseball. In bad bip allowed by their pitchers, uh, pitchers park back to the NL. This is I don't think Bud Norris can find himself in a better situation. Assuming that this is like official. Yeah, and, and another nice wrinkle and what has really worked for Liriano is that um, he uh, he has a lefty problem. He's a fastball slider guy, and uh, and Pittsburgh is is uh, one of those parks that suppresses lefty home runs. Um, so that's going to really help him out, uh, in terms of just, it's a good match of his arsenal. The, the flip side is, I don't know how Bud Norris has done what he's done today. Um, because he's a fastball slider guy. He's not even a sinker slider guy. So he doesn't even have Masterson's sinker to fall back on against lefties. So he has like basically a four seam and slider. He's basically every reliever. Um, but somehow he's managed to start all these years. And for I think at the beginning of his career it was because he was 94 with the four seam or 95 and that was plus velocity for a starter. But this year he's down to like 91 or something. So I don't even know how he's been as good as he's been. And uh, it looks like I'm going to be writing up uh, a trade reaction piece uh, for the front of the site uh, this afternoon. So I'm going to be looking, trying to look at seeing how he's done what he's done. But I do think it's a good match for him in, in Roto going forward. Um, the other, the other stuff that's out there is, um, you know, Michael Young. So Cody Ash, or actually been told it's Cody Ashy, um, is the third base prospect for the Phillies. He's been, he's not been called up yet, but he's, they're, they're said basically they're calling him up, and that probably means Michael Young is gone. One of the rumored destinations is Boston. Does it matter where Michael Young goes? Wow. So. What about the Bogarts to third base experiment, I guess, because he's been playing third base basically for the last week, 
and and the speculation was that he was going to be called up uh, over the next couple of weeks, maybe I guess a September call up to be the third baseman and wither. Will Middlebrooks and, and and he's not going to be part of the plans. But if they go out and trade for Michael Young, then I guess maybe they're not as comfortable with Bogarts at third after all. Yeah, I guess in terms of like real life baseball, I, I figure they realize that they're uh, a contender, and you know it'd be nice to have Bogarts or Middlebrooks up and playing well, but they don't want to depend on that. And the nice thing about Young is that let's say they. You know, they do call up Bogarts and they trade for Young and they kind of just give them both time. Young is the kind of guy that can give you bad defense and bad bat uh, anywhere on the diamond. That's exciting. That's a player that I would want to trade for. (laughs) But in terms of fantasy value, I do think that Young probably gets a slight boost. Uh, His RBI run numbers should increase uh, since he's moving to a better offense. Maybe his BABIP also takes a jump because he'll have the Green Monster to knock doubles off of because, I mean, he's always been pretty much a line drive machine throughout his career. Uh, he might lose a, a home run or two, but it's not like he's a big power hitter to begin with. So, uh, you know, one less home run isn't a big deal. But, yeah, a slight value boost, but not enough to really matter since, I mean, he's basically replacement level to begin with. So instead of being, like, the third best replacement, he's now the second best replacement or the first best replacement. So... I don't think it really affects him much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it would probably just... I had a nickname now for... Uh, my autocomplete gave me a nickname for Xander Bogart, so I'm just going to call him Xbox from now on. <laughs> and uh, uh, Xbox, you know, now might be blocked. It definitely is uh, uh, cold water on him. And But, you know, as a guy that just got to AAA, I, I don't think AAA is that important myself um, in terms of, you know, I don't think you have to do a whole year in AAA. Um, and he's been he's been doing what he does in AAA this year, so I think he's pretty close to ready. But you know, the Boston is the kind of team where they can take their time, and they they have Middlebrooks is playing a little better, and you know, so I think Bogarts was never a guy that I had to have in redraft leagues because there were so many different ways it could go, and and it really could still end up with 30 plate appearances in September. So um, I'm not I'm not too worried about that. Uh, Jake Peavy uh, is is either available or they're going to build around him, which uh, just seems ridiculous. But um, if, uh, if Jake Peavy leaves Chicago, that seems pretty exciting. And he was also scratched, I think, officially from his start today just because they don't want to risk injury. And uh, I guess if they do trade him during the game, they, they don't want to have to deal with that situation. But, uh, yeah, obviously his value – I mean it depends on where he goes, but most likely his value would – get boosted because he's going to probably be moving to a better pitcher park and he'll get more run support. I mean, it's pathetic that run support Chris sales record. What is he like six and 10 Chris sale? It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a, that's a really bad offense. And also it's really funny that it's a really bad offense considering how nice of a home park they <laughs> It is. And it's still an offense where when I look at the names, I think the offense should be a lot better, but that's also because Paul Canerco has, been miserable this season and so when I see the name Paul Kanerka you think oh good hitter but he's just not and and their problem also is on base percentage they just aside from Adam Dunn they just don't walk they so they don't get on base and so even though they have okay power they just don't get on base and that's obviously a problem yeah 
but uh, you know, PV in, in in Oakland was one of the rumors. That would be very That's exciting. Good. Yeah, yeah, that would be. I would love that. I don't know. I don't know though. You know, because the team uh, league league uh, trade deadlines are coming up too in a lot of leagues. So, you know, are you gonna are you gonna trade for PV today, hoping that he's traded tomorrow? Um, that seems a little bit iffy, especially since if he stays, he's not gonna get any run support, and he's still gonna be pitching in the cell. So. And 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 on add on top of that, um, some worry from Jeff Zimmerman that he's actually hurt right now. Oh, that would be a shocker. Jake Peavy pitching hurt? Yeah. Never <laughs> would have thought such a thing would happen. Uh, do you care about Brian Wilson? Uh, no, because I can't imagine that when he comes back, he's just going to be handed the closer role. And if he's not closing, then he's just another reliever coming off of Tommy John surgery that you have to be concerned with. So... I can't imagine him having any value in any leagues, even in an only league. Because, again, we always express concern over TJ returnees. He should be no different. As much as I like bearded players that we talked about last time with Josh Reddick, he, he's not somebody that I think is going to have any value in, in any leagues this year. Yeah, now the rumor is, uh, is uh, Los Angeles, which is... Uh, I can't wait for Los Angeles to install him into the closer role because he's got the proven closer tag. <laughs> Kenley Jensen, uh, I don't know. Kenley Jensen blew a save. Oh, my God, Brian Wilson. Uh, yeah, seriously. Oh, man, though, that's really going to suck. I know that a lot of people are ambivalent about him, but it's like the it's like Johnny. It's not like Johnny Damon because he's a reliever and it's not as big of a deal. But, you know, the Johnny Damon going from the Red Sox to the Yankees you know, West Coast version, uh, you know, there's a little bit of that going on. So Wilson Wilson doing his little antics is really going to turn all a lot of people who used to like him against him. And a lot of people who didn't like him anyway are just going to get rabid. So that's that's going to be a little crazy. But, um, you know, uh, another one is uh, Morneau. Do you think uh, it matters? You know, Morneau is on the cusp sort of, uh, of, of, of mixed league interest I think um do you think it matters if he goes somewhere like uh Baltimore no I mean obviously it should be a slight boost to his value because he's gonna be getting out of a park that kills left-handed home run power but we looked at his batted ball distance I mean actually I, I haven't looked probably in like a month but the last time I looked it was way down and his home run per fly ball is only seven percent his isolated slugging is 132 and he hasn't slugged or he hasn't posted an ISO above 172 since 2010. So his power seems to just be gone. So, I mean, his only value is hitting in the middle of the order and, and collecting the occasional RBI. So, sure, Baltimore is a better situation, but I still don't think that really moves him into mixed league relevance at this point. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, that uh, concludes my trip through my Twitter feed and uh, the, the rumors that are going on right now. So uh, if you want to go back to your regularly scheduled uh, next item. Well, I, I do actually have one more question. Joe Nathan, there was some speculation that he would be on the move and Joaquin Soria would take over the closer role. Have you read anything? Because it seems like they were asking a lot for Nathan and it was unlikely to be traded. But I picked up Nathan. Uh, I picked up Soria in labor. Uh, just as a speculative ad for a buck, figured it was worth the shot just in case. Have you read anything about Nathan being on the move and, and what the odds are of him actually being traded? Yeah, I really don't believe that rumor. Uh, the one thing that I heard was that they were talking with the Tigers. So I think probably the only reason that thing was a rumor was that the Tigers 
uh, might have expressed willingness to trade some interesting prospect um, to the Rangers, and they they were like, well, you know, we can we can we have other people that can relieve, and we can find other relievers, and you know, if you're going to actually give us an interesting prospect, we'll, we'll stay in these talks. But I don't I don't think it makes any sense for them to trade uh, Joe Nathan. Just he's been pitching fine, and that's a team that you know is going to be you know, in it to the end. So they, they need every little piece they can get. I don't I don't think that made any sense. And now that Jose Barris is in, in Detroit, I don't think that Detroit is uh, banging down the doors anymore, which actually does mean something. One last one, uh, from my perspective, is Kevin Gregg, because um, everyone has just decided that he was going to be gone and Pedro Strope would take over. Not only did Pedro Strope blow up, but um, one of Kevin Gregg's biggest possible landing spots is out the window. Um, you know, now with Baltimore and Detroit having having you know shored up their bullpens and 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 L.A. possibly adding Brian Wilson, that means that uh, if Kevin Gregg doesn't go to Arizona, uh, he may he may actually stay. Well, I mean, to me, I feel like the Cubs need to trade Kevin Gregg for anything that they can get because there's absolutely no reason for a team like that to hold on to uh, a mediocre reliever that can net them back players that are going to be a lot more valuable to them in the future than Kevin Gregg will be to them this year. Yeah, and even a 5% chance at a, at a bullpen arm seems better than, you know, holding on to Gregg for nothing. So um, I, I think uh, Arizona, I think it actually makes sense a little bit in Arizona. The funny thing is, if he goes to Arizona, he might close. Yeah, that's a distinct possibility because I don't think Brad Ziegler is really their long-term or when I say long-term, their next two months guys, I mean, the side yeah. offers usually get killed by lefties. So I, I just can't imagine Brad Ziegler finishing the year as the closer in Arizona. Yeah. If that, if that bullpen stays the way it is right now, uh, Poots is still my pick. I think he's starting to build his arm strength and it looks all right. Uh, he's definitely been a little bit better since he's been back. Um, and and since he was removed from the closer role, he's, his velocity's up tick, and you know his zone percentage is better. So I do think that it's possible that he's not hurt, that he can finish the season as the closer. But they haven't reinstalled him, and they and they they're loving Ziegler right now. And and I could just see, you know, a, a newcomer being an excuse to be like, well, you know, Kevin Gregg, Pluren closer. You know, it also fits the whole, you know, Towers. Uh, philosophy. I feel like you know he went and got Heath Bell. Why not get Kevin Gregg? And it's like, you know, why not you know, see if Armando Benitez is available? <laughs> hey, why not sign Brian Wilson then? Yeah, well, they were actually rumored. <laughs> All right, I, I want to talk about one last thing before we sign off here. So Will Myers, we've seen him now uh, nearly 150 plate appearances, and he's been darn good. 379 WOBA, seven home runs. Even chipped in five steals, so far performing a lot better than I expected him to. Have you changed your tune at all? I can't recall exactly what you thought of him when he was first called up. So remind us what you thought and if you changed your tune at all. Uh, well, I thought he would strike out too much and um, and have a bad batting average. So I was definitely wrong on the batting average, but he does have a 380 BABIP and until like yesterday or the day before he was striking out in a quarter of his uh, plate appearances just like he had been in triple a right now striking out 22 percent 
Uh, the rest of season projections are divided. A steamer thinks 23%, rest of season. Zips thinks 27%. That's a big difference. I Usually you don't see huge differences like that between the two projection systems. Yeah, Zips is probably taking... Uh, so he still got 27% of the time in Royals AA, 22% Royals AAA, 25% Rays AAA. So... Zips is taking those numbers and saying that's that's the 27% of the major leagues. That's what I was saying myself. Uh, Steamer, I guess, is weighting the Royals AAA and the Rays, like the current numbers, the most uh, to come up with 23%. Um, I would say that I think he's going to strike out a quarter of the time going forward and that I do believe the projection systems are right in giving him a 250 to 260 batting average. Uh, good and on-base Well, the weird thing is he should be good in on-base percentage leagues because he's always had double-digit walk rates, and then suddenly he gets the majors and doesn't walk at all. But um, the Babble, I think the Babble will come down. He'll be a 260 hitter with power, and if he really does steal close to 10 bags, he's really going to outdo the value that I put on him for his rookie year. Have you noticed when he comes to the plate, because I noticed this immediately, and then it took a little while for the broadcasters to mention it, his batting stance, he looks exactly like Longoria. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely they definitely look alike. Uh, and, you know, they're coached by the same people, so it's not that weird, I guess. Yeah, but... In terms of the BABIP, I don't think that it's going to come down that much. Uh, he's consistently been way above a league average in the minor leagues. He's hitting few pop-ups, a ton of line drives. He's got a great batted ball distribution. So I would suspect that his ex-BABIP right now has got to be like 340 to 350 or so. Obviously, that is a decline from 380. I don't expect that to continue. But I do think he's going to outperform his zips and steamer rest of season Babbitt projections. Zips is at 327, but Steamer's only at 308, and and I think he'll be better than that. I, I think at least a 330 to 340 the rest of the way. But, yeah, I do think he'll strike out a little bit more as well. Yeah, I, I guess he's, he's, I have to admit, he's doing better than I thought. Um, you know, he's not in a great, in a great park for power, so I, I, I thought, I thought he would strike out too much, be 260, and give you, like, Nick Swisher numbers. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's not impossible going forward still. Uh, but, uh, younger, you know, younger Swisher stole some bases too. And, and, uh, maybe Myers is better. I mean, he's, he's, he has a little bit more, uh, uh, pedigree, I think. But, you know, you have to remember back, Nick Swisher was, there were, there was excitement about him. So, I, I mean, I don't know if he ever got to the Myers top of the heap, uh, like, like, like Myers did, but, uh. There was definitely some excitement about him, so I I I, I love when I get power with a, a small strikeout rate, and Myers doesn't quite have that. But if he if he can push the Babbitt and 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 run a little bit, then uh, he's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I mean he's clearly going to be on probably lots of breakout lists or like sleeper lists next year, and I feel like he's going to. Be one of those guys where, depending on your league, he's going to be drafted in rounds where we're like shocked. We're like, wait a second, Will Myers third round seriously? <laughs> and he's a guy who's either going to be a massive bust or he's going to pull a Bryce Harper and actually earn his like eleventh overall pick. That again, we were all shocked about as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, 
we're not we may not learn all that we need to know about Myers this year. So I, w- I would caution you. I uh, would caution our, our listeners a little bit next year, like you're saying. I mean, uh, you know, players don't always pitchers don't always adjust quickly, and uh, and they don't always execute exactly what they've been told to do. So if they even if they find a hole, you know, they might miss that hole just enough for Myers to to punish them. But you know, over time they might. We might attack low and inside or low and away, whatever it is that ends up being a problem for him because he he has struck out a lot, and the, it's just a it's just a fact that 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 exists as a risk. All right, well that's a wrap, folks. So join us again on Thursday post trade deadline chatter on the Sleeper on the Bust for Eno Saris. I'm Mike Podhorzer. Thanks for tuning in.